Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. It's so good to be with you on Easter. If you're new, my name is Jose, and we are a church that celebrates its birthday on Easter. So we're 11 years old as a church today. Yeah. And uh, with that in mind, uh, if, if it's not on the gram, it didn't really happen. So when you go out, make sure you take your photo at our little photo booth. We want to uh, help you remember today, not just because of the outfit you're wearing, but because of the significance of what we're uh, celebrating. Because Easter, really, the hope of Easter is for everyone everywhere. It's not an American thing. It's not a Chinese thing. It's not... It's not a Korean thing. It's not an African thing or an Asian thing. What God did, he did for everybody. And so all around the world right now, as we celebrate here, there are people in all sorts of time zones celebrating what God did for us. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everyone who's willing to actually listen again to what God did over centuries, that he would know where we would be today, now, here, in this room and he has set us up. Uh, his timing's perfect. And I want to suggest to you that the last week has been a setup for your hour, hour and a half here this morning. That the last few months, all the things that have been happening have been a setup for what you're going to be reminded of in here. And the only question remains because everything that needed to happen to bring us to life with God has already been done. The only question that remains is what are we, what are you, what am I, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do in response to what God has done? So we want to hear again and afresh what God did so that we can do something about it. Because, friends, timing is everything. You've heard that before, right? Like, you know, timing is everything. Well, that may be an exaggeration. But I want to suggest as we think about the Easter story and what happened on that weekend, that timing really matters. Maybe you're just like a go-with-the-flow kind of person. But when you think about this planet, and all of the things that needed to happen for us to be able to breathe. We're not too far from the sun. We're not too close to the sun. We don't burn up. We don't freeze over. That our atmosphere is the way it is and can sustain human life. That where we are in the universe, all of the things are coming together so that you and I get to enjoy what we take for granted. This thing called life. Timing is everything. If you are a parent of a little one that's in a stroller or in a car seat, you understand this more than anyone. The fact that you were able to get this child out of their crib or out of their bed this morning, which leads to a feeding which could have been sloppy, which leads to a diaper change, which leads to an outfit change, which leads to a diaper change, which leads to an outfit change, which leads to a car seat, which leads to a car, which you got them in, and then the toys to keep them occupied and not fall asleep, and then you got them in, and the Wi-Fi worked, and they're checked in, and they're in their room. This is a miracle. This is just a miracle. And, and you're going to do it again when, when you pick them up, because you will. When you pick them up, you're going you're gonna to feed them and then change them in the cleaning. And, the, and, then, and then you go to bed, you're like, man, how did any of this work? We simply take life's events for granted. And we forget that timing is... It may not be everything, but timing is essential. And so what I want us to do is to simply look at a summary statement today. We, we read what happened, 
but so many of the Bible writers look back and reflect on what that means. What is the significance for you for Good Friday, which we just celebrated, where Jesus dies on the cross, really dies a real human physical death where he is buried and they check the pulse and it is not there and he is wrapped and he is put in a fresh tomb and the stone is put over. He is gone. What does that have to do with you? And then when we think about what it means to rise again, who gets out of the grave? Not helped by human hands. Who walks out of death? And if that is real, which it is, what in the world does that mean for my Monday, for your Tuesday, for your life, for your future? I, I think it means everything. Look, there's only two options here. This is absolutely true and should grip your life and transform everything about you, or this is a farce and we're all delusional, and this is a waste of time. So you have to consider, because if this is real and Jesus is really risen, and the timing of his death and his burial and his resurrection is supposed to impact my life, then friends, this is more, more than a meal and more than a memory. This should mark your life. All right, I want us to read a summary statement, and I'm going to ask that we read it out loud together. We'll put it on the screen for you. It is from a letter to a church in Galatia, so it's called Galatians. And right in the middle, the statement matters. So let's just read it together one, two, three. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God made you also an heir. This morning, I want you to take the next step. I'm inviting everyone here, every single one, whether you're 15 or 55, I'm going to invite everyone to take their next step in coming to grips with what this means and take the next step in following God. Because now's the time to act, and now's the time to respond, and it's not time to wait. And so you're going to be invited. And if you're newer to our church, we value hearing and then acting. It's not good enough to hear what God has said. Hearing and faith without action is futile. And so what we do here in crafting songs and messages and response is, is trying to help you take the next step. And so here's a community, just so you're not surprised. Our next step is after this little talk, I'm going to invite you to Pray and make your response, whatever that might be. And the way we do it here is, is tactile. It's visual. Uh, we move. Jesus said, follow me. And then he walked, and then his disciples walked with him. So I'm going to invite you at the end, if you feel so led, to walk. Walk from your seat. And we have two prayer stations on the left here and on the right. And it's open. And the speakers aren't there, so it's not loud. And whatever it is that God is stirring in your heart, I want you to take action. And it's not the only step, but one step can make all the difference in your life. So I'm going to invite you, if you feel so moved, to slip out and say, I want to take my next step in following you, God, because this is real. I want it to be real.
for me. Everyone can take the next step. So, all right, let's just look at it. What has God done for us? I'm going to take what we had and just break it down line by line. It says at the beginning there, but when the set time had fully come. Notice set time, timing. Timing, timing matters. The timing of Jesus' birth, the timing of Jesus' life, the timing of Jesus' resurrection. It's no fluke. It's no accident. And if you read the Bible thoughtfully and carefully, the timing of Jesus arriving and being born of the Virgin Mary is no surprise because it was predicted. It was laid out. It was foretold by God so that no one could say, well, I'm not sure because God let us know in advance. And so if you think of the storyline of the Bible, it's actually quite beautiful. And some of us, you, you read it and it's, it can be confusing because it's big and it's got lots of words. But let's just think the big picture. There's a God who creates, and in the beginning he says it's good. He makes nature, it's good. He makes day and hour and minute, and it's good. Time is created by God. And in the end, he, he makes humans, men and women, in his image. Nothing else is made in his image. Everything else is just made and it's good. But it's very, very good, men and women. And you see a picture in the Bible at the beginning of men and women walking with God. The Im in his image, people are walking with God, and God is speaking to them and giving them the freedom under his rule to just move forward. Here's a garden. It's yours. Take it. Make something beautiful. I've started it, but now let's, let's do this together. In the cool of the day, God is walking with his people, but it only takes a couple of pages into your Bible. Just read the first four chapters of the Bible. Very quickly, men and women, both who could think, realize I'm not so sure if God knows everything. Maybe there are things that I can do in my own strength that happen to contradict what God has said. And then not good enters the human race. Everything up until then has been beautiful and good. What do we do about the not good? It's not good when you ignore God. If there's a creator and we're the creation... Doesn't he have the right to speak into our life? Doesn't he have the right to, to lead and guide? If he really is the creator, then we're subject to the creator. We're the creation, and we're not above. And why do we so live so flippantly and arrogantly believing that we're smarter than God? And that's the essence of what the Bible describes as sin, is to live and act as if we are wiser than the creator. And so the rest of the Bible, maybe you've never thought of it this way, first few chapters, the rest of the Bible is how God is going to make good again out of not good. How he's going to bring people back who ignore him. So what do we do with our rebellion? It costs Adam and Eve are removed from this perfect place of God's presence. And now life is going to be hard, but God promises to make things right at the set time when the set time had fully come. So what do we do with our own brokenness? What do we do with our sinfulness? Well, God speaks and provides pathways to bring us back. And it's pictured in what he gave to people. He gave his way. The Bible calls it his law. We say it's the Ten Commandments, but it's much more than that. There's a way that we should live that's in alignment with God and God doesn't want to surprise us. He actually tells us his way, how we can love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, how we can love people as he loves them, how we can treat people with respect and kindness and goodness. God's shown us the way. 
And if we want to know it, we can know it. And we're so spoiled, side note, that in our lifetime, we have access to it in almost every language on our devices, and we ignore it. <laughs> and we wonder why life can be so messy. Well, in the law, in God's way, he provides pathways to remove sin. And it's always through the sacrifice of the innocent. Sin's costly. Sin leads to death. Rebellion has consequences. Choices and consequences. But God is so good that he's going to make choices that lead to better consequences for us. And he, over centuries, the Bible gives us centuries of real history of how he's going to bring us back. Next part of what we read. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under this law. How is God going to rescue the world? It's pictured in the Bible that there must be the innocent who pays for the guilty. And the innocent was often an animal or a grain. It was a sacrifice that says sin has a consequence. But, but if, if you come and approach God in the right way, it can be removed. And so God steps in. That's God's plan. Not for an animal or a grain or a sacrifice. See, sin can't be removed by just doing more good. So what are we going to do in the end about human beings, you and I, who continue to rebel against God? What God decides to do is mind-blowing in its simplicity, in its complexity, in its beauty. He steps in and says, you can't make it right, but I can. And God sends his son, who's born of the virgin Mary, born under the law. And so Jesus is a real man. And you and I are lawbreakers. Look, we just are, right? We just are. Let's just be honest about it. And Jesus is not. So Jesus loves the Father with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus loves his neighbor as himself. Jesus honors the way of his Father and he shows the way that we should live and can live if we're empowered to live this way. And he's born under the law so that he can fulfill all that is required. And if you haven't read the whole Bible, that's totally cool. But you need to know that in the end, the innocent pays for the guilty. So if we just keep reading the summary statement, why did he come? To redeem those who are under the law. You don't need the Bible to know the difference between right and wrong. We all know it intuitively. Mine, 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 says the child. Where'd they learn it from? They learned it from everyone else. We're all in the heart. There's so much good because we have the DNA of God, the imprint of God. We're made in his image. But you know what? In the end, we want what's mine. And so God came to rescue us to redeem us. What is it? What is redeem? It sounds like a real complicated churchy word. It simply means to liberate. God came to liberate those under the law. God came to deliver. You could translate it rescue. So Jesus comes to do what we cannot do for ourselves. And here's the beautiful thing about God that you need to be reminded of. God loves us so much. He actually wants to lead and guide. He's so concerned about you that he's willing to step into time and space so that he could bring you back into his presence. God cares about the nitty-gritty details of your parenting, of your business life, of what's happening from year to year to year to year to year to year. To year. He, he knows us. We're, 
We're fearfully, wonderfully made. Before we were even created in our mother's womb, God had implanted plans for us. But the problem with being human is that we forget the big things, right? And we just get caught up in the details of our own life and we forget that if there's a creator and there is, then we're the creation. The greatest thing the creation could do is to honor the creator. And so God knows we're not going to do it in our own strength and we don't have the power to rescue ourselves. And so God does it for us. Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. And this is where the good news gets even gooder, which is not a word. Call better. Why? That we might what? Receive adoption to sonship. And so trying to use human language, thinking about Good Friday and Easter, this writer who's a thinker, well-versed in the Bible, his name is Paul, he met Jesus after the resurrection, met him face to face. He was blinded by the glory of Jesus, literally blinded, knocked off his animal. He couldn't do anything for three days. He was so awestruck at the risen Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. Watch out. If you met Jesus, you would probably drop dead because the glory of perfection is beyond what we can handle. And so this risen Jesus says to Paul, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting, but I'm going to rescue you, and I want, to, I want you to tell everyone, everywhere, this good news. And so reflecting on what this means, the rescue, right, the liberating, the one who redeems us, he did it to do what? To bring us from a relationship that's broken and crumbled because of our sin, not his. He loves us, but he's holy. He's perfect. There's nothing wrong with God. So what do we do? How do we reconnect? He came to bring us into a place where we could be called sons and daughters. So it's not just about like being friends with God or being on good terms with God, although that would be quite awesome to be quite honest. That'd be incredible. No, it's more than that. God wants to bring us so close where it's a father and children, where we share values in life, and we live for the family value. So because God wants to be our true Father, capital F, Father, we can now hear his voice, know his way, and live in a way that pleases him. So Jesus experiences death so that we could be transferred, taken out of a broken relationship with this loving God and brought back into a newness, which is why the Bible uses terms like new life, or one that's got a bad rap, but it's actually a great phrase, born again. Like we're, we're brought into a new family with like a new birth certificate, so to speak. We are new people, not just better people, not just nicer people, not just empowered people, not just our best version of ourselves. Who are we kidding? What's the best version of brokenness? Slightly less broken. We need to be made new. And God has already done this. By the way, none of this happened now. It already happened. The question is, will you respond to it? And the challenge with these big days in the calendar, like Christmas and Easter, is we can make little of their meaning and a lot about 
the pomp and circumstance and celebration. Like, what are we having for dinner? And what are we wearing? Some of us thought more about our clothing than about God. When you woke up this morning, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Who are we going to hang out with? All of that's well and good. By the way, you look pretty stunning. This is amazing. More color than this church will ever see. We're mostly gray and black. Mostly black with a hint of gray. Mostly black. Okay. But not just friends with God. We can be children of God, family of God. And, and by the way, catch this. Sons, daughters, not just connected to God, but connected to God's people. Wherever I go around the world, I meet Jesus' people. And suddenly, this is not a friend. This is not an acquaintance. I'm connected to them. And I've spoken in churches all around the world. And I'll hear songs that we know in the U.S. And it's being sung in their language. And I get thrown off because I'm trying to sing it in English. But I'm hearing blah, 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 blah. And I can't get it. But I'm connected. Like, it's the same Jesus. It's the same God who brings people who are broken into this beautiful family. And by the way, everything that I get in knowing this God has been paid for by Jesus Christ. The next phrase. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who, call, who calls out Abba, which is just affectionate like like dad, father, how do we know that we belong to God? Here's the beautiful part, is this isn't a mystery, although it's profound. God sent his son Jesus, who dies and rises again and is alive and is waiting to return and is waiting to take us home so that we can enjoy life in God's family with God's people forever, but we're not left in the in-between alone. Jesus said, it's better that I go to the Father. Why? Because the Spirit, God's Spirit, God's presence comes to live with us day by day. I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. How do I know? Because I know. Because God's Spirit makes alive in my soul and in my mind that I have really been forgiven, that I've really been set free, that I'm no longer the same, and yes, I do sin. And yes, I do fall short, but I have an advocate with God the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who paid it all. And so his sacrifice for me is enough to clean me again and again and again and again. Good news. Good news. Which is why next week we're starting a new section of our series on the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been a part of our church, we're doing a long Review of what the Bible says about God's Holy Spirit. And, and starting next week, we're looking at how we can hear God, how we can know God's speaking, God's word to us, how we can actually be led by God in day-to-day -day moments that's not weird and is very practical and real. And if that's interesting to you, I encourage you to come and learn how you can grow in listening and understanding God's guidance. But what you need to know is because of Jesus Christ, I am now never alone. I'm a new person altogether. God has given a deposit in my soul, the Holy Spirit, and, and I don't fully know everything about God. I'll admit that. There's a lot I don't know. And I'm never promised I'm going to know it all about why this happens to me and why this doesn't. Why there's so much evil in the world and why it's so slow to be changed. 
Why now? Why this? Why that? I'm not promised by God that this side of eternity that I'm going to know it all. But I am promised that when this portion of my life ends, and by the way, this is just a portion of my life. When I receive Jesus Christ, God says, I am his child, and his children will be with him forever, ever, 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 and ever, with no end. So at the end of this life, when I am with God, I will see him as he is, and I'll be known, and I will know. So new life is about now, and it's about tomorrow, and it's about eternity. So here's my question. Are you living in light of that, really? And the reason we celebrate today the resurrection is because it has implications. And the implication is it should impact. Are you following him? Have you taken any step? Have you taken two but then taken three back? Have, have you at one point in your life felt like, man, God was like real to me. But for whatever reason, your arrogance, ignorance, neglect, or someone did something to you or you experienced something, or you got to question your mind, you couldn't settle, and you slipped away from this following of Jesus. Look, we all have a story to share, but the invitation today is in light of the resurrection to take one step closer, take your next step towards, and to not shrink back from following this Jesus. And if you've not taken the step to actually follow him, why not? And why not now? So like I said earlier, in just a few minutes, we are going to respond and no matter whether you've grown up going to church and this is like a repeat and a refresher or this is brand new information, whether you're actually following Jesus or you say, like, I want to, every one of us can take one step closer. And the question is, what's the next step for you? So we're adopted as sons and daughters. What does that mean? Next line. So you are no longer a slave but God's child. And notice the contrast. We're enslaved to our own sinfulness. And the Bible's really graphic on the descriptions. It calls it death. It calls it the kingdom of darkness, which is what? Dark. It's not, I mean, the Bible is pretty clear. But God rescues us from this life of darkness and brings us into God's presence, the kingdom of light and love. And, and I pray for you that you will experience that and know that you know that you know that you know that you're not a slave to the old life, but you've been set free by God. Look, man, this is good news. Gosh, this is good news. Now, it's good when you receive it. This is actually horrible news if you really don't care, if you're really unconcerned, and if you genuinely believe, look, I'm not talking down to you. If you genuinely believe that you are wiser than the creator of the universe and that you know the direction of your life and have wisdom that is beyond him, then just don't be surprised when life can seem so lonely and so confusing because at the end of ourselves, we realize how small that we are. Yet now we're children of God, part of his forever family. And what does that mean? Next line. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. Look, I grew up in a very poor environment, so heir sounds like a very lofty word. And an heir is someone who is receiving 
the family inheritance. They're in line to receive what the owner, the head, in this case, what God has. So now I'm in relationship with God. That means life with him today. I'm an heir. I get to have life with God. And then life with God tomorrow. I receive the Holy Spirit the moment I put my trust in Christ. And so I, I'm never alone. Now, sometimes I feel lonely. and Sometimes God seems far away. But actually, he is never far from me because he said, I will put my spirit in your heart and mind that you will know my ways. And so we can really walk with God. And then life with God forever and ever and ever. And we don't think about that, especially in our culture, because our culture is infatuated with the now. Like, by the end of a meal, I'm thinking about the next meal. At the end of a great restaurant, I am literally looking up, where else can I go? And the only thing better than a regular menu is a tasting menu, because you could have like 10 things that are incredible. If you have not done a tasting menu, you have not lived. You just have not lived. Because you get little samples, like, wow, that's amazing. I would have a whole bowl of that. I would have a whole plate of that. But I get a little bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a little bit of all of it. It's amazing. But the moment I'm done, I'm telling you, my wife will, will, will verify, I am thinking about the next meal. I can't even enjoy it now. I'm already thinking about the next thing. And that's just the nature of our life. What we are very bad at as a culture, if we want to be honest and critique ourselves, is taking the long view. You know, I'm, I'm 50, and I was 15 yesterday. <laughs> and then you realize, when the Bible says life is a vapor, you know what it means? Life is a vapor. It's described like a mist. It's here, and then it is gone. True story. I got a call from my dad's phone at 7 o'clock this morning. <laughs> my dad's not calling me on Easter Sunday at 7 o'clock in the morning. He knows I'm preaching. And so I'm like, uh-oh, pick up the phone. It's my mom. Mom on dad's phone, 7 o'clock in the morning. That is, I'm like, hi, mom. And she's like, happy Easter. I'm like, yeah, um, why are you calling? <laughs> I'm literally here in our office. And, and then my dad, she puts on the speakerphone. I'm like, okay, Whew. mom and dad's voice, very comforting. And they're like, well, you you know, he is risen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> why are you calling at 7 in the morning? And they're like, well, we wanted to let you know that my aunt, uh, Angela, she passed away this morning. She went to bed last night. And she wasn't feeling great. But she hadn't even gone to the doctor yet. She went to bed last night, and she woke up in eternity. So my poor uncle, who's getting her up to start the day and have breakfast and go to church and celebrate Easter, she was always, she had a flair for the dramatic. And, uh, and this is my, what my mom said. So she decides to go on <laughs> resurrection morning. <laughs> So we are talking about resurrection. She experienced it. We're talking about the future, but the future has now come to her. And because she knew that she had fallen short of God's perfection, 
but she had leaned on Jesus Christ for forgiveness, free and full. She is now with Jesus, seeing like we can't see yet. And the question is, if that were you, and you went to bed on a Sunday evening after having your wonderful Easter meal, and now your Easter clothes are now ready to be laundered, and got ready for work, and you mapped out your day because you're going to school or whatever, what would happen if tomorrow your eyes were opened, but now you're not here? Now, you say, Jose, that's like a scare tactic. No, that's reality. And that is as real for my family now than ever. And so we have to ask ourselves, not out of fear, but out of a reverent respect for reality. Where would you be? And so, friend, your time is now. My time is now. What do you have? The Bible says today. So in this other letter, it says today, if you hear God's voice, if you know God's leaning, if you realize this is true, do not harden your heart. Don't push God away. When God has moved heaven and earth chasing after you, look, he's put up with our junk for so long. He's put up with our messiness. He's put up with our nonsense. And those of you who have, who have parented or you've been an auntie or, or a relative of family, you know that you put up with a lot because you love. And God has been gracious to you. And so when the set time had fully come, God knew you'd be seated in your chair. He knows the very hairs on our head. He doesn't have to count much on this end. But he knows. And he is inviting us to life. So resurrection could be an event in the past. You look back and say, oh, that's kind of cool, if it's true. Or it could be the turning point for your life because you realize God has been chasing you and looking that you would just let him lead you and guide you. And he's saying now. So if God's gone through all these lengths to find you, and if God has already done everything in Jesus to make you whole, and if he loves you this way, and if he's extending grace and mercy, and he gave you an extra 24 hours, and he put you in a spot where you can hear of his goodness again, then why would we push God away? Like, why? Now, there are lots of reasons, and I don't know yours, but I would invite you to consider clearly your next step. Okay, what next steps could we take? For some of you, you have honest questions. You have questions about God, Jesus, Bible, spirituality. Well, maybe your next step is we, we host a, a course here called Alpha. Alpha is just the first Greek letter of the Alpha. It's the beginning. And it is eight weeks long, and it's over food. It's over a meal. And the topics are different, but you're invited to ask any question about anything and and you're not going to be talked down to. We want to hear your questions. Maybe your next step is to really wrestle with the questions you have and purpose to be in a place to really think about it and talk about it and learn and discover. And you could go to our website. You could sign up for Alpha. It starts here in just two weeks, two, three weeks. And you could sign up. And you don't have to come to all eight. You come to the first. And if, if you're interested, you come to the next, and you can come to all eight, and maybe, maybe God will make himself clear to you because you actually take the time to get those 
questions answered. That could be your next step. I encourage you to do it. It could be that it's just time for you to say yes to God's love. Like absolutely yes to God's love. And so I don't know if you're far from God or if you're close to God. All I see is your eyes, which are very attentive right now. Thank you. Um, but I don't know what's going on in your soul, but God does. And so maybe it's just time to say yes. Well, what do I do? You say, Jesus Christ, rescue me. <laughs> and by saying rescue, you're, you're making clear that you need it and that you don't deserve it, but you can receive it. And so Jesus Christ, rescue me. And in a moment when we pray, you could say, Jesus Christ, rescue me. And then I'm going to ask you to, like we said, our way of responding here is to take steps, to actually take steps in God's direction. And so I'm going to invite you to, to meet with some of our prayer team and pray. You may be here and you say, Jose, I did this years ago. My life's a mess right now, and I feel so far from God. You're not alone. And, and you could take your next step, and you can come to the left and the right and just take a moment. If you want to pray by yourself, that's a beautiful thing. Just pray. If you would like to pray with someone, our team has little prayer lanyards, and you can just find someone, and um, they would love to pray for you. You just say, Jose, I'm, I'm going through the roughest time, or, or I have this need, or I have this situation. Great. Well, I think you already got the point. Take the next step and invite someone who already knows and follows Jesus to pray for you. Um, we just want to take our next step. And so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet, if, if you would, please. Uh, thank you. You've been very kind to listen. <laughs> but kindness and listening is one thing. Doing something about it is something else altogether. So I want to give you just a moment to think about the, the next step that you're going to make. And uh, after I pray, the band's just going to play for a while a little instrumental to give you time uh, to respond. You say, well, if I'm the... What if I'm the only one, Jose? I don't want to be the only one. Uh, frankly, you're, you'll never be the only one because there are people all around the world who are responding to Jesus right now. But what if I'm the only one in this room? Then you're the smartest one in this room. You have nothing to be ashamed about. This isn't like the, the trail of tears, the walk of shame. This is the admission that life is in God and I want to walk with God. And so if you want to receive Jesus... You can respond and walk over. If you want to pray about something practical, it's just one call for all of these reasons. Just respond to God's leading, and he will set you free. For just a moment, close your eyes, and just a moment, then you're going to raise them up because someone can't get out of your row if your eyes are closed. But just for this moment, let's just settle our hearts. Lord, we come to you fearfully and wonderfully made. We recognize that you're our creator. And so, God, we want to respond in ways that please you. So, Lord Jesus Christ, you know those who are ready to say yes. And, and you're ready to rescue them. Lord, hear their cry. Jesus, rescue me. Lord, you know those who are broken in heart because of life's situations, the death of a loved one, conflict at home, financial strains, physical ailments. God, you know what we're going through. Lord, we want to we wanna take steps towards you and invite you to be God in our real world. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you.
Church. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.